What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and we got a lot of things to talk about on this one. This is episode 87. We're going to talk about the 1A and 2A championships. Me and the boys were there. The entire crew were there, actually, in Pueblo for that one. And then we'll talk about the Week 13 recap, what happened in 3A through 5A, talk players of the week, make predictions, all that great stuff. And so let's go ahead and get right into it and talk about the 1A state championship game. This would be a game between Lyman and Centauri here. On Lyman's side, they're going for their fourth straight state championship dub, and they are going for their 24th, I want to say, straight win as well in this championship game. And then Centauri, you know, having a very dominant season, blowing out a lot of teams, not facing as many challengers, very similar to Lyman, you know, looking for their first ever state championship game and so this one was going to be a good one from the start and so here we go to start out this game both teams were playing very good defense you know uh, notably jeremiah leaper he would get clunch in the backfield on first down this would kind of set the tone of this game a very hard-hitting game very good defense a lot of runs too on the offensive side of the ball and you know they wouldn't allow a lot of big plays either team and so that's kind of how this thing would go down but after that play you know no worries byron shawcroft uh the quarterback from centauri he would go ahead and find holman for a 14 yard reception on third keeping this drive alive for centauri and they would drive you know but unfortunately around the eight minute 47 second mark um, you know, they would actually uh, get stopped here by a lineman. They would throw to the corner of the end zone. It was a really bad overthrow, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, and it was third down in the red zone. And, you know, Trey Hines, the safety slash quarterback for Lyman, would go ahead and pick that one off pretty easily and uh, get it on the four-yard line for Lyman, ending that Centauri drive pretty quickly right there now Lyman you know basically they're backed up into their own end zone and you know what they get stuffed on third down that's led by number 55 on Centauri and you know that forces a three and out on Lyman's opening drive they would go ahead and punt it back to Centauri but you know this Lyman defense they would stay strong and reply back on third and 12 Trey Hines gets a huge hit on third down to stop the receivers short of the first and force another three and out Centauri would then punt it and this punt would pin Lyman back on the four yard line ironically and that's where they would start their second offensive drive of the game there's about six minutes uh, 40 seconds left in this game but third and five you know four minutes 40 seconds left in the first quarter uh it's third and five for Lyman by the way Mason Clunch gets a big tackle 
in the backfield for a tackle for loss and force a three and out ending yet another lineman offensive drive. Now Centauri, they do have the ball. There's about three minutes, 24 seconds left in the first quarter. And then there's a bad miss snap. I don't think Shawcroft was expecting the snap. And so basically they snap the ball really early. It hits him. Lyman will then recover the fumble on the other side of the field. Uh, this would be the best field position they would have for the first time this game because obviously you know the other times they're on the four but now they're around the i want to say like the 50 yard line 45 uh so they're in a good spot to score here and so here's what goes down jeremiah leaper on a 20 yard dump off reception from trey hines We'll get this alignment offense. I want to say their first down, but unfortunately, it would be called back for a block in the back. But it does not matter at the 1 minute 35 second mark. Trey Hines, looking like Lamar Jackson, has a sensational 20-yard scramble, breaking a couple ankles on third down and going ahead and getting that first down for Lyman basically erasing all those penalty yards uh, they earned on that last play there. So Trey Hines making it happen for Lyman early on here in this game. Then with about 42 seconds of the first quarter, it is third and nine for this Lyman offense. And Trey Hines on the keeper goes ahead and he makes a fourth and fifth on a scramble here making it a more manageable fourth down it was number seven baron holman on the tackle preventing him from getting the first down they would then attempt a pass and it would be incomplete it was actually a dropped interception um if the guy caught it it probably would have went the other way but he didn't and so it would just be a turnover on downs uh and then Basically, Centauri would get the ball back, and that would be the first quarter, end of the first quarter. And so here in the second quarter, with about 11 minutes, 40 seconds left, it is third and 23. This happened after a blindside block for Centauri here. And so Centauri, third and 23, and this is when the magic happens. Mason Clanch finally gets free on a 75-yard touchdown run. You know, they had him at the line. I think there were two or three defenders there. And then after that, he broke those two tackles. And from there on, it was basically a defensive tackle trying to run him down for about... I would say 50 or so of those yards, but Mason Clanch would go ahead and break loose on a sensational 75-yard touchdown run, making it 7-0 Centauri, getting the very first score of this game. Now, at the 10-minute 34-second mark, Lyman has the ball. Another third-down situation. It is third and seven. Lyman decides to dial up a deep pass. They have Jeremiah Leeper on the outside. He is open. Trey Hines throws it. It is a pretty good ball for the most part, but it is dropped, and so that brings up fourth and seven for Lyman. They decide to punt the ball right here around the 10-minute mark in the second quarter but then all of a sudden number 33 for centauri would recover a blocked punt made by number 44 on satari he would block it and then number 33 would recover the punt 
in the end zone, scoring a touchdown for Centauri, making it 14-0 after the PAT. All of a sudden, after two big splash plays for Centauri, you know, they're up by two scores over a dominant lineman team here with about 10 minutes or so left in the second quarter. Not to panic though, Lyman, they would go to work with nine minutes left in the second Jeremiah Leeper rips off a nice 18-yard run on 2nd and 10. Then at the 8-minute 14-second mark, Jeremiah Leeper gets a 20-yard reception on 2nd down, moving those sticks one more time. Then at the 7-minute 5-second mark on 3rd and 8, Lyman, Trey Hines, finds his boy Brady Rockwell for a 40-yard touchdown reception. Brady Rockwell would do the rest of the work and would house that bad boy on a very perfect pass, by the way, by Trey Hines. And that would make this 14-7 after the PAT just like that. Now, Centauri, they will get the ball back. And with about 6 minutes, 25 seconds, it is 3rd and 12. And that's when number 88, Michael Hoffman, would come off the edge and get a huge sack for Lyman, forcing a 3 and out. And just like that, Lyman is in a very good position, scoring a touchdown on a nice drive, and then forcing a 3 and out. They have the ball back on offense after that drive. Lyman would then find themselves in a 3rd and 10 situation at around the 4 minutes, 30 seconds mark this would come after they attempted a sluggle route throw Hines he would just overthrow just a little bit and so that would set up this third and ten here now basically what would happen nobody was open they would scramble for about five or so yards here and so it would be fourth and five with about three minutes 56 seconds left Trey Hines he would attempt to throw this ball here uh, over the middle actually but he did have Jeremiah Leeper kind of wide open on the wheel route to the right. He just didn't see him, and so he tries to throw it in the middle. It is broken up, and then that is a turnover on downs there. Centauri does get the ball, though, and they're in a third and seventh situation after two very good Kai Bandy tackles here. But it does not matter as Shawcroft finds this guy, Baron Holman. For a nice little hitch route, he gets absolutely nailed, but he does get the big first down catch for Centauri. Now, with about two minutes left in this first half, it is third and 20 for Centauri. You know, they have a couple tackles for losses here, uh, Lyman did, and so that's why it is third and 20. Mason Clunch, he would get an eight-yard reception here, making it fourth and 12. They are about in the red zone at this point. But then number 88, one more time, Michael Hoffman comes up big on this drive, making a diving deflection that would eventually force a turnover, that would force a turnover on downs. If the pass wasn't deflected, it would have went for a first down. And so this was an excellent play by this lineman defense, by Michael Hoffman standing up strong here in the red zone, preventing another score that would, um, you know, make this a two-score game again. And so Lyman, they have the ball on offense with about two minutes left, you know, and they tried to get something going. Not too much is going on here, and so they would settle for a punt with about 28 seconds left 
in this first half. And Centauri would go ahead and take a knee, making it 14 to 7 as we go into the half. Now, just remember, Centauri, they had two really big plays that would put Lyman in this position, which is why they are leading 14 to 7. Lyman, you know, they're making some good stops on defense. You know, they had one really good offensive drive, uh, but at this point, they just kind of need to start finishing drives, start finishing offensive drives because that is big at this point. And so going into the third quarter, unfortunately, it is third and 10 for Lyman. Somebody would catch it, though, and make it a first. So they wouldn't go three and out quite yet. But one more time, they would find themselves in a third and 12 situation with about 10 minutes, 32 seconds left in the third quarter. And that is when Jeremiah Leeper would break loose on a fantastic cut. He would get it on a toss, I want to say. He was running outside and then would suddenly cut it upfield, getting free for a 43-yard touchdown. Uh, he would go ahead and break that one loose. Lyman wouldn't miss the PAT right here, though, so it would still be 14-13, to 13, Centauri leading by one point. Now, Centauri, they get the ball back with about 9 minutes, 22 seconds. They are in a 3rd and 6 situation, but then it is number 15 that would go ahead and catch um, the ball on a hit route, I want to say, for the first down. I believe that is Chaz Holman, if I'm not mistaken here. And then we have another third and five situation with about eight minutes left. You know, Centauri, they're trying to run the ball, but they're not getting a lot here. You know, this Lyman defense is preventing the outside run for the most part. And then up the middle, I mean, it's a whole mess up there. And so they're getting what they could. It's not a lot, which is why they are in a lot of third situations. But... Chaz Holman comes up again with a very crucial um, catch here to get the first down on this hitch route here. And this would continue that Centauri drive. And then again, at the 7-minute mark, 3rd and 5, one more time for Centauri. This time, Jeremiah Leeper would go ahead and hit Clanch to prevent the conversion here. Um, but Clanch would go ahead and he would get a nice little 1-yard run here to... Get that first down and continue the Centauri drive. Three straight third downs, three straight conversions so far. And this Centauri team, they have momentum here despite being put in a lot of third down situations on this drive. And that continues as Baron Holman would get a 10-yard reception for another first keeping this going now. They're in the red zone at this point with about five minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, five or six minutes left in the third quarter. Mason Clanch would have a pretty bad false start that would move them back, but he would make up for it, and he would catch a crazy catch. This was off a tip. The ball was tipped at the line or something crazy like that, and he would come up with it, and he would run with the ball, bringing this thing all the way up to the goal line. Basically, they're on the one or two yard line. Unfortunately, there's another false start on Centauri that would push them back just a little bit here and so that's another setback but does not matter Baron Holman he gets a free here and Byron Shawcroft finds him for a six yard touchdown reception um, after the PAT it would go ahead and be 21 to 13 Centauri leading by eight just about halfway through this third quarter so there you go there but Lyman, they are on offense. They find themselves in a third and four situation. 
with about 4 minutes 18 seconds left and then this was the game changing play here I would say Trey Hines he would break loose on a beautiful 45 yard run that would basically flip the field for Lyman and keep this momentum going but on the tackle, he was brought down pretty hard. And what would happen is that he would actually break his collarbone and he would come out of the game with the injury right after. And that was a big, big momentum shift here. Um, and this thing wouldn't matter, so just keep that in mind. So Lyman, they are without their starting safety and starting quarterback, who was making a lot of plays for them, both on defense and offense. So there you go. And so here we go, right here. We have Brady Rockwell at quarterback. He is the backup. He made a lot of made a lot of plays at receiver. Now he is the quarterback for Lyman for the rest of this football game here. And so here we go. They are in the red zone though. And so with about three minutes seven seconds left, um, the backup quarterback finds Gabe Schubarth for a 15-yard touchdown reception. Or just about 15 yards. Um, this one kind of floated in the air as well. You know, Centauri, they were kind of caught off guard here with this pass play in the red zone. But they get the touchdown pass. And then Lyman, they decide to go for it. Um, game, they decide to go for the two-point conversion here to tie up this game. And so here's the play. It's a toss to Jeremiah Leeper to the right. He goes ahead and he breaks loose here. And he gets the two-point conversion making it a tie game 21 to 21 Lyman right all of a sudden right back in this one with about three minutes left in the third quarter despite not having their starting quarterback and safety so here we go one minute 59 seconds left it is third and seven for Centauri still struggling to run this ball here and it's number 88 Michael Hoffman who goes ahead and bats down a key pass forcing a three and out on Centauri and a punt. And so Lyman would have the ball back with about 40 seconds left. It is third and eight for Lyman, and it's number 88, Michael Hoffman, continuing to make big plays here for Lyman. Uh, the little plays that matter, actually, but big plays that keep them in this game. He would go ahead and grab a pass from their backup quarterback, Rockwell, here for about 16 yards and get the first down. And then Jeremiah Leeper, right before the third quarter ends, he would go ahead and get the ball basically on a dive and he would drag defenders eight yards for the first down that dude was a man like they got him in the backfield and then he would literally drag that boy eight yards and go ahead and get the first down Lyman has a lot of momentum here despite not having Trey Hines going into this fourth quarter and so in the fourth quarter Centauri stand strong finally they got Lyman and yet another third and six situation a false start for Lyman would make it third and 11 though and so here's what happens Jeremiah Leeper they give him the ball he is tackled short making it fourth and nine this is just a very good defense on Centauri's part and they stood strong preventing that momentum from getting out of him they would force a punt and it would be a pretty solid punt and it will put Centauri on the 15 here so there you go with nine minutes 20 seconds left though in the fourth quarter number three would tackle Baron Holman um, who would then get hurt 
after that tackle and so it would be third and seven centauri doesn't have baron holman at this point but it does not matter number 15 his brother Chaz holman would go ahead and get the first down on reception continuing this centauri drive here but with eight minutes left centauri find themselves in a very very bad third and 21 situations after a couple of tackles for losses here this lima defense is balling out here and here is what happened you know clunch he would get stuffed and that would bring up a fourth down like i said that third down was brought up by a couple of tackles for losses you know the first one was clunch he was trying to break it outside he was probably dancing around a little bit too much there, and that's why they got him down for kind of a lot. And then after that on second down, it would just be a bad handoff, and then they would nail them. And so that's what brought up this third and 21 situation. So there you go. Lyman would get the ball back here after the 8-minute mark. And so here we go. 6 minutes, 25 seconds left in this championship game. It is third and short and mason clonch would go ahead and come up huge getting a big tackle for loss forcing fourth down for lyman so there you go there now with five minutes 23 seconds you know number seven baron holman he is back in the game he will tackle jeremiah leaper for a loss and this would force a turnover on downs centauri to get the ball back so there you go but with four minutes 56 seconds left another third and long situation for centauri third and 13 to be specific here and it's actually number seven baron holman that drops a potentially huge catch that rockwell would contest and so there you go that would force a three and out on the centauri squad one more time struggling to move the ball here um even with trey hines out and so they would punt it back to lyman now lyman they have the ball there's about three minutes left here jeremiah leaper he would go ahead and do his thing put his head down and churn forward for a tough first down on second dragging yet a couple more defenders on this play one more time igniting this lyman crowd just a little bit as well with this tough running and so you got the crowd in it and then with two minutes 45 seconds here is what happens it is third and 11 lyman would run a play here but they would not get the first down. There was also a hold here. Um, but doesn't matter. Centauri goes ahead and declines that. And so Lyman here, they are going to punt the ball. But here's what happened. They punt the ball, but the ball must have been deflected uh, somewhere at this point. It wasn't like completely blocked. It was definitely, uh, you know, deflected because it still went forward a little bit here. But Centauri would actually field this one and they would get the ball into the red zone here um after this blocked punt here this would be huge here because they would be just about 15 or 20 yards away from scoring and so here is what happens it is still a tied game mind you so just keep that in mind two minutes 26 seconds left on first mason clunch is completely stuffed they run a second down play they get a couple more yards here and that would bring up a third and three play here with about a minute 37 seconds left um what would happen is that they would run it they would get tackled just short making it fourth and one and then a timeout was called at the one minute six second mark 
on fourth down Centauri. They decide to kick the field goal instead of running a play here. And say so they would kick the field goal and they would make it, making it 24 to 21, taking this lead very late in the game here. So here we go. We got about a minute left in this football game. This drive decides the season for Lyman and Centauri, and it decides who is the state champions of the 1A level here in Colorado in this 2021 season. And so here's what happens, Centauri. They would basically squib kick this one. Lyman would get the ball on the 40-yard line, and that's where they would start this drive with about a minute to go. They have two timeouts, so just keep that in mind. And so here we go. They have to pass the ball. Remember, they don't have their starting quarterback. And so Brady Rockwell is over there at quarterback and he finds, I assume his brother, Jordan Rockwell, who gets a first down on this catch. Lyman will then go ahead and call a timeout at the 44 second mark. And then Jordan Rockwell, he will come up again with another catch uh, for a first here. And they will not call a timeout. They would go hurry up here. And so here we go. Brady Rockwell. He is looking for somebody. Rolls out left. He seemingly gets free. And then is tripped up by Mason Clunch. Who goes ahead and gets him down for either a tackle or a sack. I do not remember. But it would force Lyman to call a timeout here. With about 16 seconds left in that game. Now Lyman. They have the ball. But. There is a legal motion, and so there, this does like hurt Lyman, obviously, and it would push them back here. And at this point, there would be about five seconds left after that play was ran, and then there is a legal motion, and so there you go. Um, and so it would make it 39. It does not matter here uh, because Centauri would call a timeout here, and this would basically be the last play of the game with five seconds left. Lyman... They go ahead, they run a Hail Mary here. Uh, Rockwell, he puts it in the end zone here, but it is batted down in triple coverage. And so there you go. Centauri goes ahead and wins this game. They win their first state championship here. Uh, and you got to remember, this is the first one they've ever won in Centauri football history so big congrats to them. They win this one 24-21 going ahead and breaking this Lyman win streak and championship streak here. You know, this Lyman dominance is broken with this game. It ends their three-state championship run and their 23-game win streak there, unfortunately. But Centauri gets a good dub here, surviving this Lyman team, winning 24-21, to like I just said. Now, I will give Centauri their respect here. But first, let me talk about Lyman. Obviously, if Trey Hines was in this game... I mean, he missed basically the entire fourth quarter, you know, and the end of that third quarter. This would be a different game. It just would have been a different game, you know. He was doing a lot on offense and defense. Defensively, I feel like Lyman played as well as they could, but the Centauri offense was just a little bit better and just did a couple more things here that, you know, really used up a lot of clock here. And so there you go. Got to give them credit for that, obviously. But Lyman's defense, they played well. I think offensively, they didn't play bad, but there were definitely a couple... You know, play calls here or there that were designed around, you know, their backup quarterback instead of their starting quarterback, which limited the offense, and that was very obvious. And then, you know, Brady Rockwell, he is their wideout one. So, without your 
number one receiver that's always a tough thing as well so got to keep all of that in mind you know considering this Centauri dub here if Trey Hines was in the game it would have been a different game straight up and so we do wish him the best of luck moving forward hope he has a good recovery because that was a pretty tough injury you know um just didn't look good and so a lot of credit to him he played a very good game as well as most of these boys but you know he did his thing and you know one has to feel for somebody uh for their high school career to basically end like that at least football wise because you know he is a heck of an athlete and he was a great leader for this lineman team now let me talk about this lineman team a little bit more here and then i promise i'll talk about centauri you know this dominance they had over the last four years was special you know they obviously lost to centauri here which is part of what makes this championship even more special for centauri arguably but regardless they still had a very good run this senior group the last four years this is what the senior group accomplished or help accomplished but they brought Lyman to a 43 and 3 record winning three straight state championships including one during the pandemic and then one of those uh, losses out of those three was against this very good Centauri squad so there you go the other two were at the beginning of this run I think in their second year so you just gotta keep that in mind and then ultimately this was a squad with just a lot of very good players here you have the quarterback slash safety trey hines he did his thing in this game he went 4 of 11 79 passing yards one passing touchdown had six carries for 72 rushing yards eight total tackles and then that interception at the beginning of the game uh so he did his thing jeremiah leaper was a part of this uh, senior squad 19 carries 112 rushing yards one rushing touchdown in this game one reception for 25 yards then he also had 11 tackles and three tackles for losses and obviously you have brady rockwell here he stepped up as the backup quarterback but was the number one receiver for this lineman team for pretty much this entire season in this game he won six of seven for 63 passing yards one passing touchdown he had three receptions for 54 receiving yards and that one receiving touchdown as well and then you know you gotta give credit to chance cannon eli wisensi you know all these dudes on this Lyman team that were seniors, they accomplished a lot. You cannot take that away from them, even in this loss. So there you go. Big shout out to them. A lot of love to them because they have shown us a lot of support here. Not just them, but, you know, all these small towns. But Lyman especially has shown us a lot of support. So we just wanted to shout them out there and talk about their dominance. Now, with that being said... Let's talk about your 2021 state champs, the Centauri Falcons, winning their first ever state championship in school history. These boys will go down in history for doing that. Mason Clonch, Byron Shawcroft, Baron Holman. We talked about them in the preseason. We said they were going to be dangerous. They did that. We picked them as a contender for a reason. I think a lot of people kind of forget that, but we said, yeah, this Centauri team, they're good. Mason Guanch, it's not just him. Obviously, he's fantastic. He's great. He's in the MVP uh, running here on our show. But you got a great team around him as well, starting at the line. You know, you got Burr at linebacker as well. He did his thing. You got um, Baron Holman. How many first downs did he get in this game, continuing all these Centauri drives? Uh, and plus those tackles for losses as well. He did his thing. You know, this team 
is a very good team and they should be proud of themselves you know they dominated every single team just like Lyman did in the regular season in the playoffs and then going into this game they almost they they were on the brink of blowing out Lyman at one point being up 14 to 0 after those two big plays and you know this fast break offense they're about it you know, they could get going quickly, and they just need some big plays here to make it happen. And they made enough big plays to make it happen. That's what matters in the end. They made enough big plays, and they won State, the first one ever. And for that, they should be extremely proud of themselves being kings of the 1A level. This was one that was coming for a very long time. You know, one can only count how many times Centauri has made it to State or made it, made it to the semis and came up just a little bit short here. And so we are extremely happy for them they've suffered through a lot and it is well deserving as it pays off getting their very first football state championship in school history against a very good opponent this i, I would arguably say this championship obviously feels you know a lot better winning it against a very good team in Lyman not even very good just historically great team in Lyman and breaking their championship streak and their winning streak rather than playing a team that would have upset Lyman earlier on in the playoffs and so this one has to feel good and so we're just very very happy for that Centauri squad over there making it happen now I am gonna note that Byron Shawcroft did win MVP of this game and respectfully, we're going to have to disagree here. Me, Mason, and Cody, we talked about it. You know, Shawcroft, he did his thing. You know, he was obviously the quarterback. And, you know, he came up with some big defensive plays. But in our honest opinion, um, it's either Baron Holman or Mason Quanch for us. Uh, obviously, Mason Quanch, he had that long touchdown run. He did a lot, getting a lot of tackles for losses for the Centauri squad. So there you go. And then you got Baron Holman. I mean, yeah, he got a lot of first downs. You know, he got a lot of first downs. He did get a really key tackle for loss on Jeremiah Leeper on this toss play where, you know, it was a great design play because it was basically 101 here. And so it was Leeper against Holman. You know, most teams would probably take that matchup. You know, that's not a bad matchup at all. Leaper in one in a one-on-one situation. And Baron Holman, he just made a fantastic tackle that would end a lot of momentum on that Lyman drive there, which would end up being huge as the next Lyman drive, you know, it would stall out and it would result in that block punt. And so gotta give him a lot of credit there as well as Mason Quanch. And so both of those guys are in the running for player of the week here, obviously, here uh, on the 1A level, but there you go. So, anyways, once again, congratulations to Centauri for winning their first ever championship game. You best know that, you know, all those guys are invited onto the show for an interview sometime, and we will probably do some film breakdowns of their key players here soon here so that you, the people, will know just exactly how they did it. You know, and with what talent they did it with. So, be on the lookout for that. That'll be in the future, though, in the offseason. So, just keep that in mind. But there you go. 24-21, Centauri is your 1A state champions. Congrats. Alright, now let's talk about the other state championship game here in CSU Pueblo. And that is the 2A state championship between Eden and Brush here. Now, Eden... They've been the contenders from the preseason, basically. You could go back and check. We all picked Eden to go ahead and go back-to-back -back win state. Brush, a team that 
honestly, we didn't give as much love to in the preseason, regular season, even playoffs, you know, and we're going to own up to that right now. Brush, they were the Kingslayers going into this game, beating Resurrection Christian, beating Severance, arguably the number two defense in the state, and doing their thing, and so, you know, Brush... This wasn't like, oh, you know, uh, it was a mistake they were here or they lucked into this situation. They earned their way into the state championship game. You got to keep that in mind. And so any team you're going to face in state, they earned their way there. You just got to accept that. And Brush, they made us accept that. And that's why they're here playing against Eden. And so they would kind of live up to the hype. And let's talk about it. Let's go ahead and dive into this game right here. So in the first quarter third and five for eden ethan flores is stuffed on third down and this would force a fourth and a three and out on the very first drive of the game so eden would go ahead and punt it they would get it to the 10 yard line now eden you know they're a good defense as well they would force their very own three and out at the nine minute 10 second mark and so they would go ahead and get the ball back here and then at the eight minute 20 second mark it is their quarterback walker martin who would go ahead and get the party started with a 20 plus yard run here to go ahead and get the first first down of this football game but at the seven minute 30 second mark in the first quarter it is third and nine here walker would go ahead and pass it to tate smith who was tackled just short of this first down and so there you go there Eden would also get a delay of game that would push them back a little bit more they would attempt a field goal actually and they would miss it so it's still zero to zero um, nobody has scored yet, Eden, despite getting in the red zone, so there you go. So, Brush, they have the ball about, I would say, on the 20, they got about 80 yards to go here, and that's when senior wide receiver, cornerback, Brogan Barr, comes up big with an interception on the sideline that would set Eden back up basically in the red zone here and that would be huge as brush wouldn't really begin to pass it or continue to pass it for the rest of this game after bro after broken bar would get that interception so there you go there and so the offense they're in great field positioning thanks to the defense and broken bar and so at the five minute 15 second mark uh, Walker Martin finds Ryder True for the first down and this would actually officially put them in the red zone I think they were just a little bit out at this point so there you go there and then Ethan Flores would end this drive with the run punching it in for a touchdown right after that making it 7-0 Eden after the PAT Eden goes ahead and takes the lead early in this game now Brush Back on offense at the two minute forty second mark, they find themselves in a fourth and one fourth and one situation, but they would go ahead and get the first down on a dive, continuing this drive. Then at the one minute forty four second mark, their quarterback Alejandro Maltos Garcia would have a ten yard rush, getting yet another first down. And then at the fifty second mark, it is number six who gets a great twenty yard sideline catch. Um Kind of bailing out the quarterback here, not even going to lie, but he gets a great catch here that would go ahead and put 
this brush team in a pretty good position here with momentum driving as the quarter ended now we're in the second quarter it is third and two for brush uh cesar hinojos would go ahead and run it uh get a pretty nice 10 plus yard run here that will basically put brush right here on the goal line all of a sudden and then it was number 28 hinojos who would go ahead and punch it in with the rushing touchdown they would make the pat and just like that with 10 minutes 53 seconds left in the second quarter brush responds back tying it up seven to seven Eden then gets the ball back. Nine minute, five second mark here. Walker Martin goes ahead and runs for about 10 yards, getting the first down. But unfortunately, Eden is in a third and 18 situation right after that. And it's number 34 for Brush, who will tackle Ethan Flores, um, just absolutely blowing up the screenplay and forcing a fourth down. Eden will punt it back to Brush here after that. Now around the 6 minute mark, Caden Moriarty for Brush would go ahead and get a first down on a quick little 5 yard reception here. Nothing too crazy there. Then at the 3 minute mark, it is 3rd and 6 for Brush. A Brush receiver, I couldn't see who it was, but he would get stopped at the 1 yard line just short. They were trying to throw that hitch route and so, um, like I said, you know, they're not really trying to throw it like a lot, if anything. You got a lot of short throws here. Um, nothing more than 10 yards after that Brogan bar. You know, after that Brogan bar interception. So, there you go there. Um, but, this would force a punt after that brush receiver was stopped short. And so, here we go. Uh, Eden, they have the ball. They're driving. Then at the 1 minute 46 second mark, Ethan Flores would actually fumble the ball after a pretty big hit here. And Brush would recover in the red zone all of a sudden so there you go there there's about a minute left here brush has a chance to take the lead but this eden defense stands strong with two really good pass deflections forcing another three and out that would basically be halftime and it would still be tied seven to seven um eden and brush tied up so there you go but going into the third quarter we were about at the 10 minute 23 second mark there's a costly holding penalty that makes it second and long for Brush. That will basically turn into third and 18. Um, but no matters here. Number six, Ivan Cardenas. He would have a pretty nice 20-yard reception for Brush. Going ahead and snagging a big one. Making it a first down. Just the second catch over 10 yards in this game here. Now Brush... At the 7 minute 35 second mark, would have a delay of game, making it 2nd and 14, another 2nd and long uh, situation here. But number 34 would go ahead and catch the ball on a hitch and make that 9 yards and would make it a pretty manageable 4th and 3 here. Now number 23 basically runs it up, um, well not up the middle, but he would run it off a toss and get that 1st down for a brush. Just barely though, but he would get it. The number six, uh, Ivan Cardenas, he would come up big one more time, catching a tip pass, um, basically, but that would make it only third and one. Brush would go for it again, well, not go for it, but they would dive and run the ball again on third, and they would get the conversion, getting yet another first down. Now, here we go. Third and two for Brush. They are on the six with about three minutes 50 seconds. 3 minutes 50 seconds left 
in this third quarter. Number 87 catches a pretty short five-yard touchdown pass here, making it 14-7 to brush. So there you go there. Basically use up the entire, most of the third quarter here. Um, so yeah, but Eden, they would get the ball back. And then with 1 minute 57 seconds left, Ryan Dirksen would go ahead and break loose for a 40-yard touchdown run off the pitch. This was, uh, it was either a pitch, like just a straight-up toss play, or a power option. But it looked like a power option to me, so that's what I'm going to go with. But Dirksen goes ahead, and he breaks that one loose for 40 yards, just like that. But Eden would miss the PAT. Making it 14 to 13. Brush is still leading in this game. So there you go. Then with about one minute 38 seconds left in the third quarter, Brush. We decide to have a little trick play here, you know. They toss it to the running back. It's gonna be a pass here. But number 27, Morgan Trebet kills that play real quick and just absolutely obliterates the running back uh getting a sack or a tackle for loss i want to say on that trick play putting brush in a pretty bad situation but does not matter brush they would put together a couple nice plays here to get them in a manageable third um down situation and there you go again brush's number six ivan cardenas comes up big with a six yard reception going ahead and getting the first down and that would end the fourth or the third quarter now going into the fourth quarter it is 14 to 13 brush is leading this game on eden now remember there is only one other team in one other game that led eden going into the fourth quarter and that was university back in the regular season other than that no other team has led over eden in the fourth quarter in fact no other team has led over eden by more than two scores going into the fourth quarter and so brush they're only up by one so just keep that in mind here and so here's what happens this eden defense they would come up big and force a fourth and nine on a really nice quarterback pressure here. Dirksen and Trebet were both in his face. And so he goes ahead and he tries to complete the pass, but it's incomplete. So there you go. And so here we go. They punt it back to Eden. Eden gets the ball. And then it's Ethan Flores who begins to turn up here and not only ignite this offense but ignite the Eden crowd here who came in droves by the way and were extremely loud for most of this fourth quarter here and so he would go ahead and run the ball two times and rip off about 25 total yards on both of those runs back to back there putting in work there and so at the 9 minute 50 second mark you know more Flores tough running would get Eden in the red zone so there you go there he's putting in a lot of work for this Eden squad then at the 9 minute 17 second mark finally Ethan Flores goes ahead and punches in this touchdown here uh, running it in making it 19 to 14 Eden goes ahead and takes the lead so there you go there now at the 6 minute 21 second mark Ethan Flores in the fourth quarter comes a big one more time absolutely just nailing the running back in the backfield here the crowd is going wild at this point and that was on third so it would force a fourth and 10 here for 
brush so there you go there but brush you know they decide to go for it on this fourth down only losing 19 to 14 and that's when ryan dirksen comes up big and sacks the quarterback on fourth down and then ryan dirksen one more time about three minutes later in this game it's three minutes 26 seconds left in this championship game ryan dirksen gets a nice 15 yard run to get into the red zone here and eden they would continue to run the ball use up as much clock as possible they're in the perfect situation they are in the driver's seat this is a situation you don't want to put eden in and so they go ahead and capitalize here as Ryder true would punch it in on a one yard touchdown run and they would also complete the PAT, by the way, making it 26 to 14 with a minute 36 seconds left in this football game. Now, Brush, they get the ball here. They're trying to throw it, you know, but unfortunately, on fourth down, Ryan Dirksen comes up big, goes ahead and nails the quarterback in the backfield. And that would end the last Brush offensive drive of. Not only this game, but of the year. And Eden, they would go ahead and take a knee here and go ahead and win their second straight championship game, going back-to-back -back and also completing an undefeated season, winning 13 games this year, going 13-0. And also, by the way, now on a 16-game win streak, their last loss was against Platte Valley in their last regular season game of the year last year. So there you go there. Eden goes ahead and wins their second straight championship in a row here. Now, let me go ahead and talk about Brush, you know, just like I did in the last segment, talking about Lyman first here. Brush, I'm not even going to lie, you know, they just did not have as much firepower as Eden did on offense or defense, you know, and so for them to make it this far, and not only, you know, make it here but make it a relatively close game leading into the fourth quarter they were winning granted it was by one point but they're winning 14 to 13 it was eden who would eventually dominate the fourth quarter here and get it together you know don't get it twisted here but you know brush they were doing their thing they were playing good defense they're limiting flores they're limiting the pass game not that eden was trying to pass it a lot but they were trying to limit that you know and they were doing a good job and then on offense I mean, there are some drives where they just got a couple of third down and fourth down conversions in a row that would demoralize this Eden uh, defense, basically, which is very good. You know, the only problem is that they didn't exactly capitalize on each of those drives uh, because they only scored on two of those drives, you know, 14. So, I mean, that's tough. But you got to give Brush a lot of credit here defensively. They did their thing offensively. They stuck to the game plan that beat Resurrection Christian, that beat Severance, that had them a lead over Eden going into this game. Out of 13 games, this was only the second game that a team had a lead over Eden going into the fourth quarter. And so that is no, like, you can't sleep on that, you know? Like, that's hard to do. To have a lead over Eden going into the fourth. And so Brush 
gotta give them a lot of credit you know number six Ivan Cardenas he came up big at receiver now there are only maybe one or two pass plays over 10 yards here but he did a lot you know in those short in the short game getting those five yard hitch routes six yard hitch routes you know taking apart this defense you know catch by catch and so gotta give him a lot of credit uh Cesar Hinojos the number 28 the running back for brush he did his thing a lot of tough running when they needed one or two yards he would get them one or two yards here extending these uh drives for very long times and so big big shout out to brush man next year uh will be interesting we'll see what happens next year i think you know obviously they are graduating a couple guys here i think uh, the running back and quarterbacks are both um are both seniors and then I want to say number six, Cardenas, might be a senior as well. But I want to say this defense, for the most part, is returning. Could be wrong, though, but got to give Brush their credit here. They did their thing. Um, as of right now, they haven't put in any stats. I think that's the only thing I have a problem with Brush with right now, which is fine, you know. But just wanted to give them their shout-out here. Now, let me go ahead and talk about Eden here. You're defending champs. Defend their title one more time where it matters here in CSU Pueblo where it all began, where they won state last year. You know, like I said, back-to-back, -back, undefeated season, 13-0, 16-game win streak right now. And that's because of these two guys here. Ethan Flores, he did his thing. 12 carries, 70 rushing yards, 2 rushing touchdowns, 9 tackles. That one big tackle for loss that got the crowd going. You know, you got to keep that in mind. Then you got Ryan Dirksen as well doing his thing on the ground on only nine carries, 103 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, 11 tackles, four tackles for losses, two sacks, both in the fourth quarter, I believe. And so that is huge as well. You know, those two sacks were big in this fourth quarter, putting this team away, putting this brush team away and giving this Eden offense some, uh, you know, some, a little bit more juice here in this fourth quarter that would allow them to dominate and win their second straight state championship game. Now, this Eden team, man, um, I'm not even going to lie. They have a lot of pretty key juniors on the squad, but before I talk about the juniors, let me talk about the seniors here that did their thing, that balled out. You have senior Dirk Duncan at safety. You know, almost had a really nice diving interception in this game, but he did his thing, you know, holding it down back there, not giving them anything. You have senior Ryan Dirks. I already told you what he did. He did his thing. You have um, senior Lucas Cass at defensive tackle and on the offensive line. You know, in this game, he had six tackles, one tackle for loss, and then on the offensive line, obviously doing his thing. You have the Lawrence brothers, Trey and Phil, I want to say. Um, Trey, two tackles in this game. Uh, Phil, I want to say six tackles, two tackles for losses in this one. Uh, just doing his thing, man. Then obviously both of these guys are starters on the line. Uh, big boys on this line here. You got Brogan Barr uh, on defense, four tackles. You know, he also had that interception at the beginning of the game that would set up that first touchdown. So there you go there. You know, you have um, even the senior kicker, uh, Jose Lopez. He did his thing. One, two of three, you know, PAT-wise. But doesn't matter. Still made the majority of them. So he did his thing there. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of seniors, obviously, contributing to this squad. Uh, Jordan Sidwell, he's another guy, a receiver for the squad that did some things throughout this season. And then you have Ethan Flores, obviously, 
as well. And so there you go. This Eden Senior Squad going out on top. But, you know, let me talk about the juniors just quickly here. Uh, your quarterback, Walker Martin, you know, had a very good season, honestly. Now, he's committed to play baseball over at Arkansas. Congrats, by the way. Um, a D1. But... I mean, as of now, he's still the starting quarterback for Eden, and he's returning next year, along with arguably his number one receiver, Zach Grable, returning next year. He's a junior as well. Then Eden's um, middle linebacker, a true stud here, and Ryder True returning once again for next year. And then, you know, one of Eden's uh, star defensive ends here. You know, struggled with some injuries throughout this season, was rested from time to time. But Morgan Trebet, number 27, the other defensive end, senior, coming back for next year. This Eden team, man, they still got some dudes. Now, they don't have Flores anymore. Uh, they don't have Dirksen, you know, don't have Brogan Barr, don't have Dirk Duncan, who are both starters in the secondary for the last two years. And so, obviously, that'll hurt. It'll be interesting to see what this Eden defense what this Eden offense does moving forward oh by the way uh, Trent Salberg he had a lot of interceptions I feel like this year he's a junior coming back for next year and so this Eden team man you know this is their second straight state championship but they might be able to make another run at a third one next year but for now they should enjoy this one. They deserve it. They dominated this season. They played some very tough teams between Rez, Severance, University, who pushed them not once but twice. Even this Brush team, who had a very good game plan, very well coached, by the way. So, you know, they they went through the... I mean, they went through the gauntlet, honestly. They went through the gauntlet, and they still dominated. And so... Big shout out to this Eden team. I remember we were all there at their kickoff here against Sterling. And so we've been there since the beginning, at least, well, since the beginning of this season for this Eden squad. So congrats to Eden for winning their second straight state championship back-to-back. Um, -back. So there you go there. All right, so with that being said, let's go ahead and hop into 3A. Talk about these semifinals games. You know, winner goes to state. Plain and simple. So let's talk about first off, uh, Fort Morgan versus Luther. Now, no score tracker here or stats as of November 29th, and it's like 11:23 a.m. So that's tough. So we're gonna go ahead and do the best we can here. Now, you know these two teams are very good. Obviously, they're here for a reason, and it showed as they battled. You know, at the end of the first quarter, Fort Morgan was actually up 14 to 7 here. And, you know, they would score a field goal, and that would be 17 to 7. That's the lead they have going into halftime. So, there you go there. But there's a Lutheran team not to be put down just yet. Would go ahead and score a touchdown, making it 14 to 7 here in the third quarter. And then. Fort Morgan would drive, not get a touchdown, but they would get a field goal, making it 20-14, to 14, a six-point lead. But Lutheran, not going down just yet, would score a touchdown and get the PAT, making it 21-20 to 20 with a one-point lead. That would be the end of the third there. So, there you go. Now, with about two minutes or so left, Fort Morgan would get the ball, and they would Kick a field goal, making it 23-21. to 21. Lutheran would have a chance to go ahead and try to drive here with about, 
uh, with, you know, about a minute left, you know, they would go for it on fourth down. Unfortunately, they would not get it. And then that would basically be ball game as Fort Morgan upsets Lutheran 23-21, punching their way to state. So congrats to Fort Morgan there. And, you know, to Lutheran, they had a very good season. That was a team that had a lot of talented players. But unfortunately, you know, this Fort Morgan team led by Briggs, Wheatley, Frank Ortega, all them boys, they did their thing. And so now they will be awaiting the next team here in the 3A state championship game on Saturday. Now, on the other side of the bracket, we have Meade versus Roosevelt part two. I believe this game was actually in a Johnstown, so there you go. Remember, earlier on the season, this Roosevelt team would basically put 30 on Meade and uh, shut them down about like 30-something to zero, so there you go there. Meade, on the other hand, you know, I'm not even gonna lie. After their just, geez, horrible loss to Frederick in their last regular season of the game, I was pretty much ready to kind of jump off the bandwagon at that point. Uh, you know, that Roosevelt game wasn't good either. Keep that in mind. You know, that definitely wasn't good. But after that loss to Frederick, I was not sure about Meade. Meade, though, had a pretty tough run in the playoffs here. A lot of close calls, though, starting with that one-point win over a very young Northridge team and then going ahead and winning by one more point, um, basically against Durango. In Durango, the defending state champs, which is never an easy thing to do because you have to drive all the way down there to go face them. So there you go there. But they're here, and they're playing Roosevelt, who's dominated in every round of the playoffs and has dominated pretty much every team here, ironically, except for Fort Morgan. I want to say so there you go there but this game just like the first one would actually start off pretty close at halftime it was very close here it was actually tied 14 to 14 but this time in the second half it would go differently and here's what goes down Sean Medlock for Mead High School their speedy running back would break loose on a 48 yard rushing touchdown with about seven minutes left in the third quarter, the PAT would make it 21 to 14 as Meade gets it going pretty early on in the second half. Now, Gavin Gerritsen stepping up big would actually break loose on a pretty long run at the two-minute mark in the third after Meade's defense would force Roosevelt to give them the ball back. And so that long run for Gavin Gerritsen would put them in the red zone and that drive would end with a two-yard rushing touchdown from their power back Evan Morse making it 28 to 14 this would become a two-score game a lot like the last game except instead of Roosevelt going up by two scores it is Meade all of a sudden going up by two scores here in the third quarter having a very good third quarter by the way now it is the fourth quarter here Meade's defense playing very well all game would hold strong on fourth down at the start of the fourth quarter to go ahead and get the ball back on a turnover on downs. They would have a pretty solid drive here and, you know, use up some clock and whatnot. But instead of a touchdown, it would end with a 27-yard field goal that they would kick, making it 31-14 to with about six minutes left in this game now Roosevelt gets the ball back and they're struggling you know honestly they just are and so 
you know, a couple of personal fouls here and there, and, you know, they would actually give me the ball back eventually. And so here's what happens. Gavin Gerritsen would lead this Mead team one more time on another long drive and put it away with a one-yard rushing touchdown, making it 38-14 to after the PAT with about two minutes left in this game. And that would be it. You know, Roosevelt, uh, I think they would score one more touchdown at the very end making it a little bit prettier 38 to 21 but it does not matter as Meade upsets Roosevelt in Johnstown and flips the script on them dominating the second half having a great ironically <laughs> having a great third quarter where they go up by two scores and then even having a better fourth quarter running this one away and putting this one away and punching their ticket to state in probably their most convincing win of the season right here. They've had some wins, you know, before and whatnot in the regular season, but after a very up-and-down season, they're getting hot, and they have a dominating win over their rivals. It's not just any team. This is over their rivals in Roosevelt to go to state. Now, let me talk about Roosevelt real quick here. You know, they were a very stacked squad. Unfortunately, they just came up a little bit short here especially against a team, you know, like Mead. Obviously, you've beat them before, so maybe there's some overconfidence here, and you knew it would be in Johnstown, so the town would be rocking for this one, but they just came short, you know, and it wasn't a horrible performance. Brock Sayo, the senior quarterback, the one-year starter, by the way, he went 16 of 29, 174 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, one interception. That interception came in the first half, though. So there you go. Uh, on the ground, maybe didn't run it as well as they wanted to. Um, Brock Sarah, he had six carries for only 20 rushing yards. Ryan Doucette, 10 carries, 100 rushing yards. There you go. Xavier Ramirez, only two carries for six yards. Cooper Walton, only two carries for four yards and a touchdown. Um, receivers did pretty well. Keaton Kaiser, the senior, six receptions, 46 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. Tucker Peterson, five receptions. 87 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown there so that's a stat line for them you know they haven't put in any of their defensive stats yet but um i guess i mean it is what it is obviously i mean just looking at what happened here roosevelt just came up short this me defense made stops when it mattered here in the second half and that'd be big as this offense was rolling and so let me talk about this stat line here gavin gerritsen 3 of 4 for 57 passing yards, 1 passing touchdown. Uh, he would also run the ball 20 times for 105 rushing yards and 1 rushing touchdown. Evan Morris, 18 carries, uh, 67 rushing yards. I'm sure a tough 67 rushing yards, 1 rushing touchdown. Sean Medlock, 5 carries, 70 yards rushing touchdown. Corby Teku, uh, by the way, cousin of Brogan Barr over at Eden. Uh, by the way, so there you go. He had 16 carries, 116 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. And then as far as receiving goes, Sean Medlock, he had a very nice reception for 41 yards and a touchdown on a great throw from Garrettson. I want to say that happened in the first half. So uh, yeah, there you go. Alright, so let's go ahead and predict this 3A championship game though. So it's going to be between Meade and Fort Morgan here, you know, not exactly the championship some people would have predicted. 
at the beginning of the season there, you know? I mean, we knew Meade would contend. Um, I <laughs> I picked Meade to win it all back in the preseason. And, you know, hey, um, don't think I forgot. You know, some of the TikTok comments that I had at that time, not even before Roosevelt beat them, but at that time, they were saying, nah, Meade's going to do what they always do. They're going to lose. They're this. They're that. Overrated. 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 I remember and I'm sure some of these Mead players, uh, you know, you could go ahead and look back and see it. And, you know, don't go back and delete those comments now. Those have been screenshotted. So, there you go there. You gotta take that one on the chin. But, just like that, you know, I'm gonna take this one on the chin as well. Also doubted Mead uh, kind of a bit after that first Roosevelt loss. And then after that loss to Frederick here. And so, I gotta admit that. I'm just gonna give them their credit, you know. When most of the state was doubting them, even me and some of the other guys here were doubting them. You know, they did their thing in the playoffs. Beat a very good up-and-coming, you know, Northridge team. Went to Durango and beat the defending champs. Then went to Johnstown and beat Roosevelt. Not only are they the, you know, team that beat them down earlier on in this season, but they're the other team in the state championship last year. And so, I gotta give them a lot of credit here for turning it around and being hot at the right time. And so, with that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and pick Meade to win state here. I'm gonna stick with my preseason prediction, like, preseason prediction here, and pick Meade to win state. I like how they've come alive here, how they beat all these quality teams, how they've gotten hot at just the right time. I'm going to give them their credit here. You know, they are doing their thing right now. They're pounding the ball. They're playing much better defense, uh, you know, right now here at this part of the season than they did earlier on. And so I'm going to give them their credit. You know, I think they're a team that are going to go in there and, you know, if they get a nice lead, like a two-score lead early on, that's a lead they could hold on to for the majority of this game if they continue to stay on their game here. And you got a lot of seniors here, by the way. You got a lot of guys who are experienced, who are multi-year starters. And so, I mean, basically for the same reasons why I picked them in the preseason, I'm going to pick them here to win state against Fort Morgan. Now, before... I move on here. I do have predictions from Mason and Cody here about the 3A game. Cody says he is picking Fort Morgan to win 3A as Briggs Wheatley doesn't make the same mistakes uh, Saya did, but Meade forces this game to the last second, so they're going to make it close. Uh, Brock Saya, only he didn't make that many mistakes, but definitely could have completed a couple more passes here. So Cody is betting on Briggs Wheatley and Fort Morgan to go ahead and win this one and win state so there you go there mason on the other hand he is gonna go ahead and pick fort morgan he says they're gonna be in for a tough matchup against a physical mead team but they will win and so there you go cody and mason are gonna continue to pick against mead uh, maybe for the right reasons here honestly and pick fort morgan to beat mead and state i am gonna rock with mead here to go ahead and take care of business once and for all. Shut up the doubters, you know. And I'm just going to say this. This is a throwback. This is a throwback to what I said earlier on. Mead, do you like losing just short? Do you like teams making fun of you? Are you tired of it? The answer is no. And so for those reasons, I believe in y'all. Take care of business. Hit. Play Mead football. 
and get it done. So there you have it. Meade, Fort Morgan, Saturday, CSU Pueblo, the Thunder Bowl. I'll be there, actually. So, yeah. Well, let's keep it going here. We have a couple more semifinal games to talk about. And let's hop into 4A here. Let's actually talk about Chatfield versus Pine Creek here. Now, gotta throw this out there. Uh, Jojo Roy got injured last week in that tough win against Lo um, not Lyman against Loveland he got hurt against Loveland now Cam Cooper he did play he's the backup freshman quarterback for Pine Creek by the way he did play on the second half of that Loveland game and won it for them and so going into this game that was kind of the big question here, you know, who would be the starter. And, you know, I think it appears to be Cameron Cooper. Now, Jojo Roy is listed to have one carry for a couple yards, but that's it. The backup freshman quarterback Cameron Cooper was in for Pine Creek, and that matters. But here's how it went down. I'm actually going to start at halftime here because Pine Creek was leading 21 to 14 Chatfield you know their running team obviously they have their two rushing touchdowns making the 14 uh Zion Hill for Pine Creek had two rushing touchdowns and then Cannon Budge he had a rushing touchdown that was set up uh by a pretty long throw Cameron Cooper finding his boy Braden uh Kramer for a long throw here and then Cannon Budge would go ahead and punch that bad boy and making it 21 to 14 Pine Creek leading at halftime and so here's what went down after that at the 10 minute mark in the third quarter pine creek would have a fumble a pretty costly fumble which would then lead to a rushing touchdown for chatfield tying that game up 21 to 21 and then with eight minutes left in the fourth pine creek has another costly fumble that Chatfield would recover, and that would set up yet another Chatfield rushing touchdown, this time with under a minute left in this game. So they would use almost seven minutes between the time they recovered that fumble to when they would actually score to go ahead and take the lead here. Now, obviously, Pine Creek had a chance of scoring here with about, you know, less than a minute left, but unfortunately... They just could not get it done with the young group that they have right there. And, you know, honestly, those fumbles uh, made by Cameron Cooper and sophomore running back Mason Miller would ultimately cost Pine Creek the game. Now, if I'm Pine Creek, I look, it's disappointing. You know, it just is. It's what happened. That's why I said, you know, who fumbled the ball and whatnot. It's what happened. Those are the people who fumbled it. And you know what? That's because they have just a very young team and they will be back next year and for pine creek to make this amazing run without you know their backup quarterback here at the end here or sorry without their starting quarterback here at the end here that's pretty big here you gotta be impressed by cameron cooper at least a little bit here i'm gonna go ahead and read off his stat line he had um you know he won 11 of 16 for 162 passing yards did have that one interception there um but other than that and that one fumble, but other than that, you know, played a pretty solid game. Uh, Zion Hill for Pine Creek, he unfortunately is a senior for this squad. On 31 carries, he had 196 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Um, so there you go there. But Chatfield, you know, 
Playing great defense, that's what they do. And running the ball, that's what they do. It is hard to beat this Chatfield team because you can't make too many mistakes against them. Because if you do and they recover it, they're either going to score off of it or they're going to use up a lot of time. Or both, which is even worse. And so they don't give you a lot of opportunities to really make this thing happen. So just got to keep that in mind. And so for Chatfield here, uh, the freshman uh, athlete running back, Brock Narva having a very good game here in the playoffs as a freshman. He had that one forced fumble and recovery here uh, in the second half. Also had nine total tackles, one reception for 36 receiving yards. And then on eight carries, had 59 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Very productive for the freshman running back out there in Chatfield. So keep that in mind. And then the senior here, or at least I believe he's a senior here, Jake Marshall. 16 carries, 44 rushing yards, 2 rushing touchdowns. And then the junior, Mason Lowe, 13 carries, 122 rushing yards, 1 rushing touchdown, 7 total tackles as Chatfield will be going to state after beating Pine Creek. So there you have it there. Chatfield will be going to state to face the winner of this other matchup, which was a close one as well. So here we go. We have Erie versus Montrose. It is important to remember that Cody actually picked Erie to go to state at the beginning of these playoffs. And then me and Mason both picked Montrose. At least I believe we both did to win this one. So there you go. But here's how it goes down. We're going to go ahead and start at the beginning of the game. Blake Barnett, the sophomore star quarterback for Erie. Finds his boy, Aiden Oshzeiger, for a 15-yard touchdown pass. Remember, Aiden is our number three rated senior tight end in the state of Colorado. So there you go. Keep that in mind. Also, check out that episode if you haven't yet. But he goes ahead and gets that done, making it 7-0 early on. Montrose, though, another running team just like Chatfield, replies back with a nice rushing touchdown with about three minutes left in the first, making it 7-7 real quick here. But Montrose will then stop this high-powered Erie offense and will get the ball back pretty quickly here and score a rushing touchdown with about a minute left in the first. And then after the PAT, it would be 14-7. Montrose in control right here but no worries here Erie would respond quickly though and Caleb Thiessen the running back would score a two-yard rushing touchdown making it 14 to 14 with just under a minute left in the first quarter so we got a tied ball game going into the second here actually it would stay a tied ball game as nothing really would happen in that second quarter and really for the majority of the third quarter as the next big like event or play that would happen would happen with about two minutes left in the third quarter montrose would finally score a rushing touchdown making it 21 to 14 here then back in the lead now in the fourth montrose would then again score another rushing touchdown with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter this would almost guarantee a trip to state for montrose as they are a running team that plays good defense you know they're gonna use up a lot of the clock they're gonna play you tough on defense and so there you have it 28 to 14 in the fourth quarter with about six minutes left but it does not matter Blake Barnett the star quarterback for Erie High School getting them this far with four minutes left in the fourth quarter would lead a drive and eventually score a one-yard rushing touchdown himself making it 28 to 21 with Montrose still in the lead four minutes left in this game it is not over yet even though it may have looked like it for a lot of this game 
And then this Erie defense stands strong, doesn't allow Montrose to run out this clock, and gets Blake Barnett the ball back here. He will then lead another drive, ending with a 10-yard touchdown pass to his boy Jalen Klickna, making it 28-27. Montrose still in the lead with two minutes left in this game. Now Erie right here right now decides, yo, forget this, forget overtime, forget giving Montrose a chance to win this game. Let's go ahead and go for the dub here. Let's go to state right here. And so they trust their sophomore running back, the star of this team, and the center of this offense. He would run it in himself for the two-point conversion, taking a 29-28 lead. This is the first lead of the game, basically since the first quarter of this game, where Blake Barnett would initially throw it to his tight end, making it 7-0. And so, it would take almost a whole game, but Erie would eventually get the lead back here and they will hold on as Montrose was not able to put together a scoring drive and just like that Erie is going to state off of a sensational performance from their young sophomore quarterback Blake Barnett in this game he had two passing touchdowns one rushing touchdown as well as the two-point conversion run that he he took himself um, late in this game to send Erie to state. Blake Barnett having a sensational performance as a young quarterback. We talked about him last year, you know, put him on a lot of radars there, talked about him and said, hey, this kid could be special this year. Proves us right. Not only him, but this entire Erie team dominating, getting into this position here. And this was the closest game of the season for them. And would come back down two touchdowns to win this one and go to state. That is a story if I've ever heard one there. So there you have it. We got Chatfield versus Erie here in the 4A state championship game. And so let's predict it, man. These are the last predictions for Foray here. I'm going to start with Mason Austin. He is going to go ahead and pick Erie to win state here. He says, I don't think Chatfield's running attack will be able to work as effectively as usual. Erie goes ahead and wins state. Cody will go ahead and pick Erie, obviously. <laughs> he says the Erie Tigers re repeats their success against run-heavy teams with a dub over Chatfield, but not before the Chargers get two touchdowns over 50 yards. Then he says Barnett for MVP, Blake Barnett for MVP. I'm going to go ahead and make it through, yo. I am going to pick Erie to beat Chatfield. Now, Chatfield, they're tough. Arguably... A little bit tougher than Montrose, you know. They've been battle-tested more than Montrose or Erie, arguably. And so, this is a Chatfield team that you don't want to mess with. And, you know, they have experience on the squad. And they're going to look to get into this young quarterback's head, just like they did uh, Cameron Cooper's. Well, maybe not get in his head, but try to rattle him a little bit here. And, you know, one or two bad plays here might change the game. So we're just going to have to see. But I'm going to go ahead and pick Erie to win here. Blake Barnett has been sensational this season, sensational in the playoffs. I like the team around him. They have a very tough team. They have some pieces here. And so I'm picking Blake Barnett here to, you know, possibly win MVP and have have a signature game here in state and win Erie a championship as a sophomore. So there you go there. 3-0 Erie. All right. So with that being said, let me go ahead and talk 5A football here. We have Cherry Creek versus Legend. Um, here's how it went down, basically. So, you know, in the first quarter, after forcing a Legend punt on their opening drive, 
Kai Ode Jr. would draw blood first with a 45-yard rushing touchdown, making it 7-0 after the PAT, obviously, with eight minutes left in the first quarter. Then this Cherry Creek defense comes up strong one more time, shuts down another legend drive, and gives their offense the ball back. They would end that drive, the offense, that is, with a three-yard rushing touchdown from Carlson Tan, making it 14-0 with four minutes left in the first quarter. Now, uh, going into the second quarter, Blake Purchase would block a legend field goal with seven minutes left in the second, I believe. And then after a long Christian Hammond run, it would actually be George Fitzpatrick running it in. Uh, Two-yard rushing touchdown, making it 21-0 with five minutes left in the second quarter. At this point, this legend offense is struggling. This Cherry Creek defense is playing extremely well as advertised. And that continues as number 91 Chase Brackney gets a pretty big sack that will basically end another legend offensive drive and cause a punt. Christian Hammond would then find his boy Kai O'Day Jr. for an 82-yard receiving touchdown, making it 28-0 with under a minute left in the first half. And basically at this point, this game would be over as the Cherry Creek defense continues to dominate and would not allow a single score for Legend until the fourth quarter. And so... The end score is 48-14. Cherry Creek wins and probably their most dominating win of the season against uh, the number one offense in the state of Colorado in legend. Arguably the number one offense in the state of Colorado in legend. Winning 48-14, shutting them down completely. And so they will be going back to state after this impressive win here. Remember, they're the defending champs. Two-time defending champs at that. So keep that in mind. Now... On the other side of the bracket, we have Valor Christian versus Grandview High School. Look, this one wasn't close either. Gavin Sawchuk would have three rushing touchdowns in the first half, uh, basically making it 28-6 with two minutes left in the second quarter when he scored his third one. Uh, that would basically be the score at halftime, and that would basically be the end of the game here. Basically, it would be a wrap as Valor dominates one more time, going back to state, winning 37-6 over Grandview here, completely dominating here. Uh, Gavin Sawchuk, 23 carries, 176 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Most of that came in the first half. Jordan Norwood, um... Interestingly enough, would run the ball. Six carries, 56 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns as Valor Christian has a rematch with Cherry Creek for the state championship game here on the 5A level. Unfortunately, Grandview and Legend seasons end right here. They had fantastic seasons with great players, but ultimately it was the front runners, Valor and Cherry Creek, meant to meet again. And so here are the predictions for that game. Mason is picking Valor. He says, I think it'll be close, but they will narrowly pull it off. Cody is picking Cherry Creek. He says, doubling down on my preseason pick, saying Creek goes back to back as their defense will be better than any Valor has seen all season and forces them into uncomfortable situations and the offense does just enough to pull it out. This would actually be their third straight championship in a row if Cherry Creek wins here. Now, Cherry Creek has impressed this playoffs. I'm going to give them that. 
But I think I'm going to stick with Valor winning this one. I think they have a lot more experience here. I think they've developed their pass game. Now, it's important to keep in mind, you know, Colts and Allen didn't have the greatest passing game, uh, you know, last week or even really in this playoffs. But he is capable of a good performance here. Valor Christian, they're going to need to pass. That's what it is because you got Blake Purchase, Hank, all those guys on the Cherry Creek defense who are going to shut down the run and attempt to do it. They're probably going to do as good a job as anybody to do that. You got to remember, this is the same defense that held Chandler to only a couple points here, you know, and only lost to them by a little bit. Chandler, a powerhouse in the entire country. And so if any defense was built to beat Valor, it would be this one. But I'm picking Valor because I trust their offense to score maybe just a little bit more than Cherry Creek's offense, who has impressed th to their credit. But I think this one goes to Valor just barely. It will come down to the wire. It will come down to who dominates not only the second half, but the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter. If I'm being completely honest with you, it will come down to the line. You could guarantee that. So looking forward to that one. Unfortunately, I will not be... At the 4A or 5A championship games, I will be in Pueblo watching the 3A ones, but Cody and Mason will be there. So, there you go there. Ooh, man, that's the last prediction of the 2021 football season. So, there you have it. Um, man, that's wild. But, you know what? I am just going to not take a break because I don't need one, and I'm just going to go for it here. We're going to go ahead and talk about players of the week here. I uh, also have a couple announcements here, so go ahead and stick around for that. Uh, we have some pretty important announcements here. We'll probably post them somewhere eventually, but uh, yeah. So I'm going to start on the 5A level. I am going to give my player of the week to Kai Ode Jr. He had that 45-yard rushing touchdown. He had that huge uh, touchdown pass for 82 yards. And then he also had a kick return for a touchdown in the second half that went like 100 yards or something crazy like that. Or at least that's what it's listed. So I'm giving it to Kai Ode Jr. of Cherry Creek uh, for player of the week on the 5A level. Now on the 4A level... <sighs> Could have won a couple different ways here, not even gonna lie, you know, uh, Brock Narva, he made a pretty good argument for that one, but I'm actually gonna go ahead and pick the sophomore quarterback, Blake Barnett, leading that comeback win over Montrose when they're down 14 points with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. He would score all of their points in the fourth quarter to go ahead and send Erie to the state championship game. So I'm giving it to sophomore quarterback Blake Barnett here in this game. So there you go there. On the 3A level, a lot of people I could give it to here. But I think I'm actually going to give it to me, quarterback Gavin Gerritsen. You know, in this game, he won 3 of 4 for 57 passing yards, one passing touchdown, 20 carries for 105 rushing yards, and one rushing touchdown in that big second half that Meade would have you know he did his thing man he led some really good drives there including a long run uh near the end of the third quarter that would give Evan Morris that two-yard rushing touchdown he would also have a one-yard touchdown of his own uh near the end of this game with about two minutes left here so I'm gonna go with Gavin Garrettson here it could have went to Sean Medlock as well not even gonna lie um and a couple other guys but I think Gavin Garrettson the quarterback for this Meade team really came up big when it mattered for Meade here and stepped it up against Roosevelt, upsetting them and sending them to state. Now, the last two are championship uh, 
basically championship games here. You know, I'm giving it to the player on the winning side of these championship games here for the 2A and 1A level. There was MVPs named for the championships, but, you know, I think I'm just going to go in a different direction here. And so for Eden, I am actually going to pick Ryan Dirksen for player of the week. Don't get it twisted. Ethan Flores, he had a great performance. He won MVP in that game. You know, 12 carries, 70 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, nine tackles, one tackle for loss. But for me, it was Ryan Dirksen who really came up big as well. Nine carries, 103 rushing yards, that one rushing touchdown that, you know, got Eden back into this game. He also had 11 tackles, four tackles for losses, and those two sacks in the fourth quarter. So I'm giving it to Ryan Dirksen as the player of the week and the player of that championship game. And then on the 1A level, man, I went back and forth on this between Baron Holman and Mason Clonch, basically. But I think I'm actually going to give it to Baron Holman here of Centauri. You know, had a lot of uh, tackles here that were big. Had a lot of catches that went for first downs, including a touchdown catch that he had in the second off that, you know, kind of capped off a pretty chaotic drive for Centauri where they probably shouldn't have scored. But, you know, Baron Holman, he did his thing there. Um, not to take anything away from Mason Clunch, but I think Baron Holman, you know, uh, also having the big tackle, 101 against Jeremiah Leeper in the fourth, would end up being big for Centauri. And so for that, he wins player of the week and player of the game in this championship game there. Those are the last player of the week awards for the 1A and 2A level. So there you have it. Uh, one more time, just so you know. 5A is Kai Oday Jr. of Cherry Creek. 4A is quarterback Blake Barnett for Erie. Uh, 3A is quarterback Gavin Gerritsen for Meade. 2A is Ryan Dirksen, the defensive end running back for Eden. And then on 1A, it is the cornerback slash receiver Baron Holman for Centauri. So there you go. All right, so just wanted to take this time and actually say thank you so much to all of our supporters on the 1A and 2A level. The number of people we met over this weekend has been amazing. Had a lot of great conversations, took some pictures. Uh, go ahead and check out our social medias for those if you want to check that out. And then, you know, the number of DMs that we've had from players, especially thanking us, has been overwhelming. You know, players from both sides, from winning and losing teams in the state championship game. It's been wonderful, you know, and honestly, I just hope y'all know that we root for all of y'all ultimately and we do this podcast for y'all and everything we do here uh i mean it's for y'all and i'm just gonna be completely real with y'all we do not get paid for this but we love going to your games we love making the long trips out to uh well okay we didn't make any to lyman and centauri but to wiggins you know to flat irons uh all that stuff to eden i made that trip like five or six times it felt like this season you know um but we do it because we care about y'all we want to put y'all on man and so with that being said we wish y'all the best of luck we thank you so much for everything you've done for us and you know honestly we look forward to next year next year will be a new year it'll be almost a completely new landscape for 1a basically 2A will, will be pretty recognizable, but still some differences there. And so, you know, we just want to say thank you to all the seniors who have supported us, all the families, all the small cities. And, you know, it's been an absolute honor. You know, it's been an absolute honor covering 1A and 2A football here in Colorado. And, uh, yeah, we just want to say thank you. But 
you know, with that being said, this will not actually be the last time we cover 1A and 2A this year, as we do have an end-of-the-year award show coming here in the next couple weeks. Next week will be a recap. The week after that, we'll have an interview, but um, an interview to Elise, actually, but our plan is to release end-of-the-year award shows uh, where we're all voting on playmakers of the year for offense and defense. We'll have a most valuable playmaker of the year, kind of like an MVP type of an award to give out. And then we will have a newcomer of the year award that will be awarded to freshmen who made big impacts on varsity. We will do this for 1A through 5A, but we're going to start with 1A and 2A, obviously, starting here in a couple weeks. And so I'm saying this right now because at the time I'm recording this, we have finalized our list to 4 ish players each category and so here's how it's going to go down i will have a vote i as in coach of e simon Villanos, cody stoffer will have a vote mason austin will have a vote and then we're going to have actually anthony garcia from mile high prep report he will have a vote as well and we will be voting on the final four finalists for each category and then the fifth vote will be you the fans actually and so here's how it's gonna go down we are gonna put up a poll on twitter and it's gonna have those four players listed for each category that poll will last basically a week we'll advertise it on all of our social medias so you know it's basically you know impossible for y'all to miss and we'll talk about it on the podcast episodes as well but we're gonna advertise all of that have as many people vote as possible we're gonna contact the finalists and whatnot make sure that they know that they're in the running for it and so that fifth vote will come down to you the fans and you know all of us there's five of us basically four people the fifth one is a fan vote and so as always we're trying to give y'all a voice here anybody could vote doesn't just have to be students or you know media or whatever you know you could be a coach you could be a player you could be a parent you could just be people in the community but all the polls will be on twitter so obviously you'll need a twitter account to be able to vote and you know for athletes that'll be big because you need one anyways uh, whether you like social media or not i don't necessarily love social media but i still have it so there you go there but anyways you know that's how it's gonna go down remember we're gonna have an offensive player of the year award defensive player of the year mvp and then our newcomer of the year award which will go to a freshman that has contributed to the most on varsity we'll release the final four candidates when the polls come out so you'll know then um and yeah you know you'll have a week to vote for it then the following week, we'll release it one time, uh, basically one division at a time. So it will be 1A that will go first. And so just keep all of that in mind. That will be coming soon here. I will probably have Cody say something about it next week. So yeah. But uh, thank you so much for rocking with us. Remember, you know, go ahead and show us some love on our social medias, which by the way is where going to be a lot of our voting will happen. That's at Playmakers Corner on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok as well. We're posting some content there, uh, content we don't necessarily always talk about on the podcast. So check that out. And if you are listening to this on a major streaming platform, go ahead and give us a good review. We appreciate it all. And once again, we appreciate all the support and we hope you have a fantastic day.